Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. July 30th, 2020. This is the Mike Abadir Show. I am your co-host, Gina Bocola, and next to me, the main man, Mike Abadir. Mike, it's starting to feel like we're getting some semblance of normal back to sports because today, for me, I got a Dodger game and a Laker game to watch but we, we got to be honest, as, uh, as happy and exciting as it is to be able to have sports back, we've had baseball back for now a week. There, it hasn't been perfect. There have been issues. We've had to have some cancellations, some postponements. There have sort of been one outbreak that we can all kind of trace back to where it, it was. So some positive, a little negative, but hopefully there's a little bit of a blueprint now, a little bit of a template on what to do moving forward as far as baseball is concerned. Well, apparently they went from a group text messaging <laughs> to make decisions to uh, a little bit more of a, um, a a protocol that's really intended to be proactive rather than reactive. And so, I yeah, I think, you know, look, baseball has gotten a lot of heat this week, and deservedly so. The optimist in me says, you know what? It could at least be kind of attributed to that Florida Marlins locker room. Yep, we can we can all really really everything that's come come of that. The Phillies players, I believe, that had to there were the Phillies um, attendance, not even players, clubhouse of like attendance that were dealing with that visiting locker room. They ended up contracting it because they were dealing with um, you know a lot of the Marlins stuff. So. That was what happened. And then, unfortunately, it's had a little bit of a domino effect because a team like Toronto, who was scheduled to have games against these teams this weekend, like the Phillies have uh, have, have not scheduled anything the rest of the week now. And the Marlins um, have not. And so, the, like, Toronto, they're sort of stuck. They have they've got ga- they had games this week on Wednesday and Thursday, but they were supposed to play a weekend series. And they're not – they can't go back home to Toronto. So they're just – they just have to, like, sit in Washington and wait to they get to their to be able to go play their next series uh, next week. So it's had a little bit of a domino effect, but it seems it still seems salvageable so far. And the baseball that we've seen play in a lot of cases, I think it's been pretty good baseball. The product, the on-field product doesn't seem like I, I don't think it's suffered a ton. We can tell that it's not all the way there, but I I, so I watched a couple Dodger Astro games that I mean I thought were more fun because the Dodgers won, but they were super competitive. They didn't feel like games five games into a season. They sort of felt like playoff games. No, they were great games. Look, the product has been, I think, very good in mm-hmm. my opinion, considering the fact that it's the longest gap between regular season games in any of these players' lifetimes as baseball players. You know, from the last regular season game. You know, especially if you weren't a playoff team, think about that. You know, you really, I mean, it, it's creeping on a year, right? I mean, their last game was what, September 30th, yeah. October 1st, whatever it was last season, right? And, and uh, we're ramp basically up and in August turn, right now. You turn so, off, you yeah. know, and then you're in a limbo, you're waiting around. And then all, and then the, the way that their negotiations were going, if you were a player, it could have been, you, you could have had the mindset of, I don't think this is happening. I think a lot of them did probably did think that. 
I don't know if this is going to happen because those those negotiations were not good going no. back and forth and back and forth. So then then they turned it on. You know, even if someone we talked about with Walker Bueller a few times, he wasn't doing a whole lot because he had injuries. He was dealing with stuff in the offseason. Then he has to ramp back up. He was not great. And even he mentioned, by the way, that what you just said, which is plus there was that aspect of, you know, do we even know what's happening or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. Did, didn't really – I think he admitted that he didn't really train full strength as if the season is starting, you know, next week type. A lot of these guys only have so many pitches in their arm and those pitches, even in practice matter, right? The training pitches that you throw. And so now we we know a lot more about our bodies and stuff than we did 20, 30 years ago. So a lot of these players were just taking it one day at a time. And so for all, all that being said, I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen. And, you know, like you, I'm a big baseball fan more than even just a Dodger fan. I play fantasy. I, I like to play daily stuff. And I like to watch all games, you know. So I've, I've been um, tuning into a couple of these quadruple headers that they've had on Fox so far, which is really fun because we don't see that a whole lot for baseball. It is kind of cool. The only time we really see that for baseball is that first round of the playoff series. Yeah. Where, exactly. they, where they have like four games on different networks all throughout the day, and, and it's baseball for one day or two days. And then that's really it. And the ratings have been fantastic. Yeah. People, people, you know, as much as people were complaining when the strike was going, I had a lot of people when I would post stuff about the, the constant negotiations and what was happening. Oh, I'm sick of this. I'm not going to watch, blah, blah, blah. And I said, when they, when they come back, I'm sure you'll watch. And, and that's been the case. And, well, you know, and a lot we, of people, too, were, were, were saying that even after the first set of games, you had a lot of people that were pissed off that some people didn't stand for the anthem. I believe it's very you know, political. Holding their fists. Off. Yeah, mm-hmm. holding their fists and all that kind of stuff. Well, hasn't really affected the ratings so far. So I guess if those people aren't watching, then I guess it would even be that much better. But it uh, doesn't really seem like uh, the – at most, the impact has been negligible. So let's get back to the Marlins for a quick second. And by the way, the only team that I've called wrong more often than the San Diego LA Chargers is the Florida Miami Marlins. I caught myself there. Me too. I did. I did. I did saying, all the time. You know, yeah. or I didn't even catch myself. I said Florida Marlins. And then I realized I'm like, wait a second. It's Miami Marlins. But going back to the Miami Marlins, here is to me going to be something that's very tricky they say if they do not get in the whole complement of 60 games because of cancellations due to COVID, that they may have to go to win percentage to determine who gets into the playoffs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. proceedings. So let me ask you this. Let us say, hypothetically, this is your favorite team and they have – 41 wins. Are you rooting for and less? Then, well, it, it, let, no, well, how about the other way? Let's say your favorite team has 41 wins and the Phillies have 37 wins. But, but because percentage. they play less games, their win percentage is 569 and your team's is 558. And they're going to get in with four less wins. But you know, if they played seven more games, they could easily go three and four, etc. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to pose a big problem. It's going to stay. I think they kind of realized that because today, apparently, they're discussing, they're bringing back the, the subject of seven-inning doubleheaders for, back for in the teams the that, that need to that make it up. Yeah. Because I think it's going to end up being a really big problem yeah. when you have a team with less wins getting in 
and of and course. having a discrepancy and in the number of games. I agree. I think they'll do their best to make them up double headers, and and just like you said, if they can do the seven inning games, that'll be fine. So as we continue to talk so about, you this don't, mo- so you don't have a problem with the seven inning games. It. I don't have a problem. I wouldn't have liked that to be penciled into the schedule, but since we've had an outbreak already, if like you said, if the bet if. I would feel better about the teams trying to get all the games in than being in a situation where we're sitting at the end of the year and it's this team was at a you know five eighty three winning percentage versus yeah. a five seventy nine winning percentage. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and, that. but I think either way, by the way, people are going to bitch, right? Because sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No matter what, no matter well, what. Hey, but, but, we played seven inning games. We played nine inning games. We taxed our bullpen. We put you know. So on and so Just forth. Just give me the seven innings because there's going to be some rainouts. We've already seen the Yankees have a game that went five, you know, right off the bat. Five, it went six innings, you yep, know, right yep. to start. And yep. So, you know what? If they're official games, we all know this year's thing. That would make me feel a little bit better about the At situation. Least they, they tried to remedy, uh, mm-hmm. try to make it as equitable as possible. I'm totally good with that. Because it hasn't gotten too season. out of hand yet. They've they've been still able to. Like, you can read through the cancellations and the postponements and and the things that have been rescheduled and still understand it. Once it gets too so so deep, where you it's like, oh no, this is you, you can't even really explain all the different things. That's when you start feeling like, uh oh, I don't know if this is going to be able to work. But it still feels like okay, this was pretty central to just these two teams that that we've had not really having much going on this week. And it's going to be Philly, and it's going to be the Marlins, and so other than that, everybody else has been, you know, see, we've had teams here have a series or a couple of games missed, but everybody else for the most part has seemingly done a good job with the protocols. No other testing has come back positive, and I, I even got to be honest, Mike. One of the, I don't like a lot of changes with some of the rules over the last few years and things to speed to speed the game up. I, I'm not going to be hard on really any rules that are different for this year. Right. I think, I think if anything, this year it's, this is, we talked about it before they even had a start date in mind. This is the year to incorporate whatever ideas you mm-hmm. had, whatever testing, yep. pro, you know, anything you want to test out, this is the time to do mm-hmm. it. Especially too, because a lot of times, it, uh, you'll notice that one of the reasons why they won't implement a certain rule or try something out is because of the statistical aspect of baseball and how it's kind of mm-hmm. more sacred in baseball than it is in other sports, right? So now, nothing statistically is going to jive, anyways. With you know what I mean? Home run leaders aren't thirty gonna, home runs isn't going to yeah, be home a run dip- leaders aren't going to make sense. You know, you may have like extra high batting averages, mm-hmm. you know, somebody betting 370 and 368 and 365, it's not going to kind of, you know, settle into that, you know, low to mid 300s like normal, you know, pitchers are going to lead the league with seven or eight wins, whatever, you know what I mean? So this is kind of one of those years where stats yep. aren't going to make a lot of sense regardless. So you don't have that as any, you're not going to get any pushback when it comes to the statistical stuff. So I say kind of try it out, see what happens. And the one, the one thing I like so far that I, I, don't I don't want it to be something that is done forever, but it's been done in the minor leagues. And is that runner on second? I'll tell you, you it's one of those things that really does make the the game super exciting, right? When you get into extra innings, even more so. The, the watching the Dodgers and Astros um, last night, having to go through that a few different times, and seeing now the strategy that each team is going to have with with their approach. So right off the bat. 
the you, you know we saw the Astros just kind of go after the Dodgers normally. Then what the Dodgers did, they went after runner on second. They strike out Altuve. Then they put a guy on, and they it worked out perfectly for them. Got him to ground into a double play. So that's kind of the the perfect way you want to approach that with the when the runners on second. You can hope to strike out the first batter, walk the second. Now you've got a double play situation where you can get a ground ball and get right out of it. That worked out great. Some teams are immediately walking the first batter and putting that uh, force play into a situation right away. Some teams are bunting when they're on when you know they're up to bat and they're getting the runner over to third. So now you got a runner on third with one out. You got two chances to try to get this one in. You could even get him in with a sack fly. It's cr- it's really cool to see how that one extra batter on second changes the the whole strategy of of extra innings now. I had a fascinating time watching how both teams were going at it back and forth with the Dodgers. They both were able to score a run and then they went they had to continue on. It was r- it was fun in the, in those extra innings. Absolutely. It brings back the uh, fundamentals of baseball back into the fold. Mm-hmm. It's not so much for, for a key part of the game, you know, trying to hit it as far as you can isn't going to be the only way to win a game. In fact, you probably want to work on your base to base, you know, bunting, uh, it's, managing strategies, pinch runners, things of that nature. So, you know, Sam Miller, a writer for ESPN, he called it glorious. And I tend to agree I love that it, the man. new extra inning rule is glorious. I really like it, man. Like I said, you know, a lot of home runs is cool. You know, it's fun every once in a while to watch a 13 to 10 slug fest with five homers on this side and four on the other. But those but guys miss, all hit I miss bunting. They hit yeah. 220, and they're going to have three games where before you get one of those. They're going to have three games where they don't get do anything. And a bunch of strikeouts, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know, without moving a single runner over, without having a useful out, none of those type of things. We're not seeing as much as before. So, you know, I love that 1980s St. Louis Cardinals brand of baseball. You know, they didn't have a lot of home run hitters outside of, like, Tom Bernanski and Jack Clark. But you had, like, Willie McGee and Vince Coleman and Jose Okendo and Ozzie Smith and all these fast guys you know, guys that get you 18 triples and bat 300 and steal you 50, 60 bases. Vince Coleman, obviously, over 100 bases. That was a really fun brand of baseball. And it was a cool time in baseball, too, because you had real powerful lineups. You had teams that were maybe deeper in pitching. It was almost like you had a lot of different weapons, which is one of the things I kind of like about the NFL and even college football is that you have, like, you know, in the playoffs, a really, really great defensive team you know, going up against a great passing attack one week and then a great running game another week and then a defensive battle between two really good defenses the week after. I like it when a sport has a lot of different brands of baseball or brands of football, and now we're seeing it clash whose brand is the best, who's better at executing with the type of brand that they play. And I think this is going to force teams to kind of, if this is continued, by the way, throughout, I think you're going to see a little bit of a shift, the pendulum shift back to a little bit more fundamentals. All the way throughout right? the Where game. Where you're not going to have a you lineup of nine. Innings, yeah. It works, and, and you start to say, okay, we can manufacture a couple more runs a game. Why don't exactly. we do that? I completely exactly. agree with you. I mean, it's even it's even a different strategy whether you're home or away, right? True. If you're yes. If you're the home team and you really only, and it's tied, and you really only need that run, then I would absolutely bunt immediately. Get the runner right to third. Now you only need to pass ball to win the game. 
Exactly. You could literally win a game without you know even getting a hit. That's see that that's the kind of thing. But you don't necessarily want want to do that if you're the visiting team yet because you don't at that point you're not quite until maybe you're into the eleventh or twelfth. You still maybe don't want to give away outs. You know, so you, you maybe you maybe you do try to give yourself three opportunities to get a hit or maybe get a small rally going. So it it, it really does change. You know, I I love it, man. I, I I had a blast. It was fun. It really did. And because it it was the fifth game or sixth game of the year, whatever it was for the Astros and the Dodgers. But because of everything that happened between these two teams, the they haven't played since the World Series, and then everything that happened with Joe Kelly, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Um, on on was that Tuesday night? Everything that happened then. So. It was, it really did feel bit, and then and then adding that new wrinkle with the new, the runner on second, it, it was a lot of fun. And the one thing that we talked about when we've been discussing previews for baseball here, when you came on, that's what G said with me, and we did a two hour preview of everyone. Is you're likely going to get a season this year where everybody's a lot closer together. Even the bad teams, or even the really good teams, they're not going to separate all that much. And man. Super early, but in the first three games, we didn't have one team that was three and zero, or one team that was zero and three, and that was for the first time since nineteen fifty four. Unbelievable! You Not normally unbelievable. always get one team that goes five and zero, and one team that goes zero and five. Sure, right, right off the bat, for for everybody to be either one and two or two and one after three games, and now we can even expand it more. So now everybody's played in the. Five, six, seven games now. There's been some cancellations. The only teams that haven't have played three games, and one of them is the Phillies. Every team besides the Phillies has at least two wins. So ultra competitive, man. If you look at NL West, you know you have three, four, three teams with four wins apiece: mm-hmm. four, one, four, and two, four and mm-hmm. two. Right? Giants are three and three. Diamondbacks, who are probably better than than their slow start indicates, are two and four. It just shows the competitiveness of. Uh, you know, the, the balance that a lot of these teams have. I think we kind of identified it before, too. You know, you discard, you know, maybe Baltimore and uh, Detroit, although they're playing pretty good baseball, yeah, good too. Starts. Yeah, that's what he was four crazy. out of their first six. You, saw, you looked up and you saw Detroit, Baltimore, and, and the Marlins, all teams yeah. that were projected to be three of the worst teams in the league. Even Heck, even the Giants split with the Dodgers. After yeah. getting crushed in their first two games, they, they came back. Came and back. when the Dodgers were sloppy, the Giants just played good baseball. Well, and, and when the Dodgers it, it just, it just gets me themselves. to think, you know, exactly right. And it, it, what it gets me to think of are those extra inning games you just talked about. Because there's a really legitimate chance that if the Astros miss the playoffs, it's going to be by a game, two at the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be right, right there, there, right? So you're going to look back and say, you know what, that runner on second base got us in or lost us the, the season. or So you have to be able to execute, is the bottom line. And really, it's a cool way of introducing a high leverage, high pressure situation. And and that's what we love as fans, right? Edge of your seat. You know, I mean, what's the biggest gripe that people say about basketball? Basketball only matters in the fourth quarter to some few people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is creating fourth quarter intensity, you know. Uh, that's why people love the gruff. NBA all-star game. With the basket basketball, where there was a remember they played in the fourth quarter where you had a target score, yeah. to get to yep. like you'd play on the street like first to twenty one kind of a thing, and people love the competitiveness at the end of it. It was way different than a lot of the NBA All Star games that just get lazy and, and and no defense. So yeah, there's just something to be said with it's 
It's why March Madness is so great, right? It, and it's, it wouldn't be fair to have, you know, and, and when baseball, you have a long season, you need to have a long series to settle things at the end of your year. Same sure. thing with basketball. But that's why some of these things where it's one loss and you're done, or this is it, the end for you, you this is the, the, the sudden death kind of immediate um, live or go home, you know, that, that's when it really adds something to sports. And it's, it, it does that. It really makes sometimes those extra inning games after the, the, the sec, like you get to the 11th or 12th, and there's been like now an extra. So there's probably been two or three innings towards the end of the game where nobody got on. And now you're, you've been through about six innings where nobody even got on base. They drag a little bit. They yeah, do. Especially those. Yeah, you're right. Especially those games. Once you start getting into innings 14, 15, 16, and you're using your entire bench, and you know, the, the roster's. Running thin, your pitching staff's running thin. You're having guys, you know, go out to warm up that are outfielders. You know, it starts kind of being like, well, maybe, maybe there's another way to approach this because there's a game coming up in in a few hours here when you have a night game followed by a day game. So let's continue on the conversation. Let's mm-hmm. also talk about Joe Kelly, the job Manfred's doing, the suspension, and was it justified? Stay with us. We'll be back with that and more right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, segment two. We're talking all about baseball, Mike. And uh, one of the men who has been... <laughs> In the news the last few days was a former Red Sox, Joe Kelly. So I'll give my thoughts as a Dodger fan following your thoughts. What did you think about everything that went down when the Dodgers played the Astros, when Joe Kelly came in, and then the suspension handed down afterwards? Okay, so I don't have as strong of a disdain for Manfred, Commissioner Manfred, as many people do. With that said... 
this is all his fault, right? Because the the suspensions should have come down for the Astros for their cheating scandal back in January. Mm-hmm. Suspensions in February. They should have at that point in time. The commissioner's office. You know, everybody felt, and the especially the MLB players felt that the penalty was just very light. A couple draft picks, a couple firings, mm-hmm. boom, done, fine for the owner who, you know, half million bucks or whatever it was, doesn't really even mean a lot to that guy. So once you do that, you now put it into the hands of the teams for policing. And Especially then I think the, way the Dodgers the Ast- being the, the team that was, you know, I mean, they feel that they were violated more than any of the other teams that, that they cheated against. Because they were there till the end. They were mm-hmm. there till the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it was so a small margin. Like if there was the anything, yeah, if there was anything going on, that was the difference between winning one of those games and Absolutely. losing one of those games. So this and is so, Manfred yeah. Plus fault for not policing it. Now, with that said, I mean, I kind of here's the thing. Are these types of things talked about beforehand? You know, do they elect who's going to be the one going out doing it? I just kind of wonder why Joe Kelly, did he take it upon himself to do that? Did he have a conversation with the catcher beforehand? And they, no, yeah, and I let's think, do it. I think a you know, lot how did of that all come about? Why situ- is it in his hands? I think it came into, it, it was a situation, right? I think it was, if if that's a 5-4 game right then, the, the first time it happened, it's 5-2. There's nobody on. It's a three-ball count. That was when he really what, let the first one loose, Right. It, it was basically like I'm I'm gonna give him this this base anyways, so I'm just gonna give. I, I think it was just a waste one throw right by him, right? You know, th- th- we, and whether or not you like it throwing a ball at someone's head, I don't think is great. But he didn't get hit, and this is it's not okay. But this is this is not the first time we've seen something like this at all in baseball. This happens many times a year, over sure. and over in baseball, sure. repeatedly. And so, what's crazy is that you're still on the first. You're still on the first situation right yeah yeah the first situation then afterwards he he i think he he genuine kelly's one of those jekyll and hyde type pitchers right he sometimes is way off and then sometimes his stuff is amazing well if you remember by the way during the during the off season he he was uh he was practicing in his backyard or something and he and he target broke uh, either his own or a windows neighbor Mm -hmm. (laughs) if if you saw that that little video Mm -hmm. so yeah he's got a little wild side wild side yeah and he I think he gets he gets the adrenaline, everything in the moment. He, and you could tell he was really off. He was just he couldn't get his fastball straight at all. He just had to keep throwing the curve over and over. So when he's at Correa, the balls that he's throwing at him are the curves, and and he ends up striking him out. And then the thing that bothers me, he doesn't even get thrown out of the game. He didn't even get tossed from the game. Not, not, I mean, it was it. That was the, the bench is cleared. Nobody touched each other. They didn't really get that close. What were you able did... to read? Were, were you able to read lips? Oh, I mean, sure. I kind of was. He uh, said hi to him. Joe Kelly he said hi more to him than a few times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said hi to him, and it, it was really funny. I actually re- uh, posted. There was someone who covers sports and has a show. He's kind of, sort of a comedian, and he okay. he had like a three or four minute little recap of this whole thing that happened, and it's so funny. He actually has. He says what every guy says back to each other. He slows it down, and you can see them back and forth. It is hilarious. And I watched this thing a few times. It's really, really funny. I mean, this is something that we see in baseball all the time, right, Mike? Nobody got hit. Nobody got hit in the head. It was a bunch of 
dudes with testosterone, like just releasing some of it because these two teams have a history. Even the Red Sox have a history with the Astros and the cheating that happened that year. And then the coach coming to the Astros from the Astros to the Red Sox and stuff. Joe Kelly's always been a fiery kind of guy. Hell, he did this stuff against the Dodgers when he pitched for St. Louis, you know, way back when. So for him to get suspended after not even getting thrown out of a game, for him to get suspended after not hitting one person for eight games out of a 60 game season, which, which comes would be up the, to a, a 13 percent, he's missing 13 percent of the season. That would be 22 games in a, in a full 160 game season, 162 game season, which you would never see. You wouldn't see any player get suspended for 20 games for anything on the field like that ever, let alone nothing. He didn't touch anybody, didn't hit anybody. That that is crazy, and that's what upsets. Every fan base except for the Astros fan base. Well, and here's the thing. I am going to go out on a limb here and, and and put words in Manfred's mouth. I think he's sending a message, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, we can't go on the entire 2020 season with guys throwing at Astro players. Regardless of what happened, we just can't have it. And I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. And I'm going to make damn sure that it doesn't happen. <laughs> and I'm going to make extra sure that it doesn't happen. Good. And I'm going to suspend Man. him for, for 13% of the season. So he kind of made an example of Joe Kelly. I, I, like I said, I don't think it's that far-fetched that that has to be the reason. Also, knowing that there's going to be an appeal. Yeah. It, so... It just- and, and then maybe it lands on four, five. I was going to say even three because there's really no precedent for for thirteen percent, even six percent, seven percent. So it's just too long, man. It, mm-hmm. I think three percent, especially uh, during the, you know with this situation and the limited number of players and without minor league call ups and stuff like that, it's it's really a strain on uh, on a major league club. And he, he really, really is. It's not even like a starting pitcher either, where you get they get lucky in those suspensions because they miss one start a lot yeah, of he's times. He's not missing one you know? start. No. He, he's a reliever that's going to pitch maybe back to back days and then a day off, three out of four days sometimes. You know, sure, which is big, why I say it, it's a big strain it's on a huge ball club. So huge. So this is, and so this is my, you know, and I've been really upset about, you know, Rob Manfred in general, and he's been the commissioner now since 2015. So this is, this is a suspension after not that you had just laid out. He did not penalize or punish the Astros really at all. I no. mean, let's be honest. There was a few, very little. So if you're going to, you're going to say, oh, we had to, we had to get immunity, give immunity to the players so we could find out what happened. Well, you gave immunity to not suspend them. That doesn't mean maybe you take away. I, I didn't like the idea of giving the title to somebody else, but as far as taking it away from them, when they're, many of them are admitting they were in a big time cheating scandal. Sure. There should be no champion for that year. I'm fine with that. Put an asterisk in history next to the, not even next to the Astros, just asterisk, you know, I, it just, but, but there was nothing done. So you, you don't set a precedent then. You don't want to come down hard on them for cheating. Um, and even in years before, there are, the Yankees and the Red Sox got slaps on their wrist when doing the stuff with the Apple Watches. The Red Sox, again, got whether or not what they did, I just they got a slap on the wrist. He hasn't given anybody any big punishments ever. This was a guy who, before he was the commissioner, he was in ahead of and in charge of MLB drug testing. 
which has always been a joke and and people have you know forever with with the different ways of drugs from you know amphetamines way way back to then the steroids to then the hgh and and you know the stuff that was they weren't even testing for i just he he's he's done so many things that have rubbed me the wrong way and it and and this is it's been been a short period of time as a commissioner, and even in some of the things he did before, he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. He admitted that he was not negotiating with the players on good faith prior to this season. He had zero intentions of ever having a season more than sixty games. He completely admitted that. He it was, I mean, what? And then and then all of the stuff that just happened with the Marlins. How is he letting the Marlins play that game on Sunday when it came down to? The Marlins deciding if they were going to play. Why is he not right there saying, oh, no, these they, we're pulling the plug right now. This game can't happen. Adam Silver did things just like that in the NBA. I, he There have been so many things. So now all of this COVID stuff, I, I can't blame it all on him. But again, when you're at the very top and you let that happen, and now instead of it being maybe a few players on the Marlins, you had the Phillies, and now the Blue Jays are impacted, the Yankees, all these different teams, four or five teams got impacted. I don't see a whole lot of good that this guy has done. I really okay, don't. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna give you. And you, you raised a lot of really good points, and uh, you know some of them you, you are indefensible, and you really can't argue against. So I'm not gonna waste time with with those uh, on those key bullet points. The some of those that you laid out. Uh, but at the top of this segment, you know, I I said that I am I don't have the same disdain for Commissioner Manfred as others do, and I understand why others do. But let me address a couple of the things that you mentioned. So, yeah, he was involved with MLB's drug testing, but keep something in mind. He was involved. He negotiated MLB's first drug testing agreement, and that was in 2002. So we really can't blame the prior sins of baseball when it, as it relates to PEDs and, and steroids and those type of issues uh, on, on Manfred. And keep also another thing in mind. He led MLB's investigation of the biogenesis scandal. So he was pretty uh, pretty key when it came to that. Um, yeah, I, I just so, don't know how successful he. I know he was a part of those things, but from from what some of the stuff, and I, again, this is probably us reading and, and looking into things more so than I don't know personally what he did. You, you know what I mean? But but from I don't I didn't read that. Well, I'm he just was, go, I'm just going off the dates, right? Sure. Like, yeah, like, I just I didn't read that he did anything really positive in, in in either of those, and was kind of not yeah not necessarily like a spearhead of 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 either things just one of the main guys who was along for that ride during that happening and, and well, actually, sort of gets credited mind, for the, that. you know the biggest the biggest fail of all that see because look when and i know we're, we're kind of off point now but it's, it's no, very but he, fascinating yeah, no, very yeah. fascinating discussion so when you're bringing somebody in to do a what in essence is a cleanup job how are we going to do this and you don't want all of a sudden for the game to go from an exciting home run, powerful game, just uh, three, four years coming no. off McGuire and Sosa and everything. I think it was kind of like, okay, how do we approach this? How do we transition and phase out PEDs and steroids and that type of thing, right? But to me, the biggest fail was actually the leak of the names because this was supposed to be, hey, look, for the greater good of the game, we want you guys to come forward. We're going to do everything that we can to make sure these names never, ever get out. And in return, we're going to figure out, based on the percentage of players that are actually using, how we can approach this thing. We need to know if this is one player per team or every offensive player or just everybody on the roster in general or 80% or whatever. They really didn't know for sure. There was only rumors and whispers, although you and I could have probably speculated. But in terms of core 
evidence, data, statistical data, admissions, they had nothing. So the first problem was leaking those names. And that hurt a lot of people's brands. Gary Sheffield is not in the Hall of Fame because of it. David Ortiz, remember when he started off one of the years, I think it was 2012, you know, in a horrible, horrible slump and, and, and there was talk of retirement. Had he not had that second wave of kicking ass in the 2013 World Series against the Cardinals and really solidifying the big poppy name, he may not have been a Hall of Famer because of that leak. There's a lot of other names that were leaked, too. That really bothered me. If you promise somebody they're going to take care of it, take care of it. Don't let names leak if you're going to be the guardian of this. So to me, that was a huge mistake, and I, I held that against him because he's the one that's at the top, and he should be accountable. But let's move all the way over until he became the actual commissioner. What was that, 2015 or 2014, whenever that was, okay? All I'm going to say is I, I really like MLB's digital, MLB's tech MLB's approach to embracing the future now. I think they've done a phenomenal job, and I know he's a big, big advocate for that. And why that's important is because MLB is such an old-school mentality that for them to do that, for him to spearhead it, is actually one of the few smart things. It's kind of like horse it's, racing. No, it is one of the, you know, no, I agree. I agree in that, in that sense. Yeah. It's just, it, it seems like he does that with, with one small thing. He sort he tried to do it with the pace of play stuff. Some things worked, some things didn't. Like, yep, I'm not yep. really a fan of the pitch clock. I'm not really a fan of the, 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 I don't like when there's restrictions on things. Players have to pitch to a certain amount of batters and things like that. That kind of bothers me because that, that's not really what baseball is. I, I understand why he's doing it completely. Make it easier for the TV game, right? Make it easier for people who aren't hardcore baseball fans to watch a game that's three hours instead of four hours and 20 minutes, right? Or closer. Completely understand. It's just I, I don't like a lot of what he's done. And I don't – even when he talks – when he spoke the other day on MLB Network about what was going on with all the COVID stuff, he didn't sound like he had any idea what he was talking about. For him to be so tone deaf to call the World Series trophy a piece of metal and not – this is what all of these guys like play for and strive for is just crazy. He just seems like a guy who's put in charge. I don't feel like he's someone who's grown up loving baseball, loving the sport, and he doesn't feel like what he's done – there aren't enough things that are positive. And I compare him to Roger Goodell who – I don't think he's a great guy. I don't think he's he's done some things wrong as the commissioner, but the business of the NFL is in pretty great shape for the, you know, they, they, they've been in the ratings. They're always really buzz. Whatever NFL you put on, people care about, people watch. We know the big stars of the NFL. We don't really know the Mike Trouts of the world or, you know, some of the big baseball stars as much as we should. I just think they're, he, he and, and looking around, when you talk about the major the major sports commissioners, it was always the guy from the NHL, Bettman, I think a lot of people said was really bad because he he's taken the NHL and, you know, we just don't see it and hear about it really at all. And and baseball has felt like that for a while. And and I don't see a lot of positives that he's done. I, I just have a hard time looking around and comparing him to someone like Adam Silver, who seems like he's very player friendly. And this guy is just all owner, all who he works for. I'm going to do exactly what the owners want, the, the exactly what they need. They just extended me again, so I'm just going to do what's best for them, not what's best for my players or what's best for my fans, what's best for the game. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, you have, uh, I, I think the majority of people are anti Manfred, anti the job he's done so far. I, I've read three articles since the Joe Kelly thing that named him. 
the worst commissioner in pro yeah. sports, yeah. the worst commissioner in pro sports, <laughs> and the worst commissioner in history of pro sports. <laughs> Those are the three articles that I read. So, uh, so I, I get it. You know, he hasn't had a long run so far, but he's had enough time to screw up some things. And uh, I, I totally, I totally get that. So and let's be I'm honest. Not he's not putting. It, we can move on. Yeah, we can, we don't have to tag a whole a show on him. We can move on. But they, I'll, I'll give him a little leeway in that. Man, this is a tough year for anybody to be in charge, right? Of anything going on with everything going on, this is not an easy year because you're going to have to do things and make decisions that are going to be hard on a lot of people, and they're going to only be good for some people, and and none that are really good good for anybody, but just better for others. So. It, I can understand this year. It's he's going to have his opportunity next year when that when the collective bargaining comes up at the end of the season, and and he's going to have a, a big opportunity to make things happen and keep us away from a strike. And if he doesn't, then that'll be another really negative thing to have on on his resume. Um, so so well, keep, other- keep this in mind, you know, going into break because I think that's a really mm-hmm. really good point there when you're talking about the strike. And I'll, I'll leave the listeners with with this thought. Uh, a lot of times when people are discussing commissioners the phrase uh you know is he good for the game does he do good for the game comes up that's kind of a piece of the equation on how people evaluate commissioners but one thing that cannot be forgotten and it's very evident when you look at roger goodell especially and how he's kind of approached the commissionership these guys don't work for us. They don't work for even necessarily promoting baseball. They work for the owners. And their job, and the commissioner's job, is to increase the owner's bottom line. Now, you and I, as reasonable people, could sit here and say, well, if you destroy the game, it's obviously not going to be good for the owner's bottom line. It's got to catch up to, you know, to things eventually. People stop mm-hmm. going to the park. People start tuning, stop tuning in. Mm-hmm. Stop buying merchandising, so on and so forth. Uh, but, hey... Up until this point so far, even though fan attendance in some markets has kind of been slipping, which has made the overall numbers kind of slip, ratings have been strong, they have regional networks everywhere, they're making more money than ever before, they're actually not far off. NFL's king, the MLB is not far off in terms of the billions that they generate. So if you're evaluating on how he's done for the owners – you know, I'd have to hear from them, but I haven't heard uh, anybody necessarily come down really hard. It's, I think it's him. one of those things where it's like because they can good. fire him, you know, if they want, right? Sure, sure, but it's 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 good, and so nobody cares because a lot of these guys, we hear them talk, the owners of the Astros, and some of them, I don't know how they made their money to begin with. Dear God, you hear some of these owners talk. Oh my uh, God, it's like it is how, crazy. They, whether they inherited it or whatever it is, you know, it's like you you were some savvy businessman. Are you kidding me or, or whatever? <laughs> it's like like Donald Sterling, and so so many of them, they just go with the status quo. How many years were the Clippers the worst franchise in sports, all of sports, not even basketball? And that guy made so much money. Oh yeah, or just oh, doing yeah. nothing. If from a basketball perspective on the court, it was one of the most poorly run organizations. Ever. Uh, but from the bottom line, they were always in the top third in the league in terms of revenues somehow, mm-hmm. some way. So, Gina, we're was, way over on a break. So let's take, take a one. commercial break and uh, we'll come back and wrap up with the final segment. I got a few things, quick hits that I want to lay out. So stay with us. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment on the Mike Abadir Show, and we've been talking all about baseball as the season is underway, about a week underway now, and it's... It's hard. We'll probably need another week or two before we can really start analyzing teams or who's struggling or who's not because it really comes down to, you know, teams can play two or three bad, good games in a row and be right back there. Like your your socks didn't start out very well, but one more win or two and they're right back at, at you know, 500 and right there. The Dodgers played two really good games to start and then they had two kind of blunder games where they really hurt themselves against the Giants and then they came back and played two better games against the Astros and, and, and so they're they're playing well, but so I guess it's it's kind of hard. We'll probably need another week or two from just a pure analyzing the the teams and who's doing well and who's who's been hot. Kind of. Uh, a, although I'm very concerned right now about the Red Sox pitching. Mm-hmm. Their hitting some, hasn't yeah. been good, but I'm not worried about their hitting. Do you think they'll come I'm around? For sure. You expect Especially more. with Eduardo Rodriguez, who knows if he's even going to be able to play this year. Uh, really, it leaves them with with I think only one you know solid, really solid, dependable starting pitcher and and Nate Eovaldi. Everybody else is really, really crapshoot and hasn't started off the year very well at all. So di- very disappointed in, in in the Red Sox. Their two and their their series against the Orioles was very different to me than the Dodgers two uh two and two split with the Giants. Where the Dodgers should have honestly should have gone four 0 in they should have gone four 0 and yeah it, it to me they just they 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 just looked smelt and felt very very different so it's a sport that uh is is you know what 75 80 whatever percentage of the way through that just getting started nba yeah so what are your thoughts about tonight's game i guess let me ask you this is is the nba champion playing is this year's nba champion playing tonight I think so. I do think it's going to be either the Lakers or the Clippers, the teams they're playing tonight. Now, I don't think you're going to see the finished version of either of these teams, the finished product right now, really because neither of these teams 
have to. And in the Clippers' perspective, um, I guess both of these teams have had some issues. So Avery Bradley didn't make the trip. He opted out of the bubble. He had some family reasons, so he decided not to come with the Lakers. He was their starting point guard. He was a very good defensive player. He was playing the best basketball of of the season right before the the season stopped. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who was the backup point guard, we know the name. So he, his his name is a lot more than what he is. That is actually one of those things that might be um, addition by subtraction for the Lakers because you'll get a little more time for someone like Caruso, who's who's actually better than Rondo um, in a lot of ways. The Clippers, they've had a lot of players that have had to go in and out of the bubble so far. Yeah, I'm confused. So, so how many are are gone for good, and how many are dealing with family issues with the Clippers? So Montrez Harrell, they don't know when he's going to be back for sure. Lou Williams just got back. It doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Landry Shamit and Zubox, they were very late coming into the bubble. They're probably going to be able to play. Patrick Beverly is also going to be a game-time decision. We're talking about six, you know, six players from their team um, that have been in and out. They haven't really been able to practice together. They've had to be quarantined in a lot of situations. Harrell, who's a big... One of the things about the Clippers that makes them so good is that they can bring Lou Williams and Harrell off the bench. They are maybe the the best two sixth men, and they're both sixth men on the same team this year. They come in and they give you an unbelievable punch. They can close games for you when you have to. Harrell has gotten better on the defensive end, so him not being there, that really hurts them. And who knows, you know, if, if Lou is a little bit slow getting back into shape and maybe, you know, Landry Shamit had Corona. Um, we know that uh, Zubots, he, he was out of the country, so he had a tough time getting back in. This is there's a lot for them to deal with. So so for the, the guys that aren't going to be playing, are, are the teams replacing them with, uh, you know, what, uh, just 10 day the rosters si- are 10 day a little contracts bit bigger. or yeah, league or what's yeah. going on? Dude, the rosters are a little bit bigger, so like the Lakers have three of their G League players on the team also, so you can have a few extra players just to you know make your bench a little deeper. The the thing that don't don't if this Lakers Clipper game tonight, the result of this game doesn't matter. Let, let's just say this for the for the most part, I'm, I'm happy and I'm going to be very excited and watching the game. But the way these two teams are situated, the Lakers. There's eight games left to play. The Lakers have a five and a half game lead on the Clippers and the Clippers have a couple game lead on the teams chasing them. And they are the number one and two teams in the West. So the Lakers are going to be the number one seed. They'd have to lose all eight of their games. So and, my guess with Doc you know, Rivers, they're, they're, they're trying to, to find their, their, their defense and the Lakers maybe trying to find their offense just based on philosophies. Is that a reasonable statement? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, they're able to be based on what they've done, be a little bit luckier and use the, these next few games as an extended part of the preseason. I don't think you're going to see Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Anthony Davis playing 40 minutes until the playoffs come. I just don't think they have a reason to, because they're probably set into the one and two spots. Now the Clippers will see with, with getting all their players back, but I don't think they're, they're worried really about if they would even, even fall to the three. I mean, realistically, the yeah. only team that could probably catch them is Denver. I mean, yeah. Utah could if you know the, the Clippers go like oh and whatever, or you know two two and six or whatever the case may be, and, and Utah does the inverse of that. But I mean, realistically, it's going to be them or the Nuggets, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you're you're looking at matchups, you know, at the bottom there, the Grizzlies in the eighth seed, Mavs in the seventh, and uh, the the Rockets in in the sixth seed. Uh, although there's a big time logjam with four teams between forty and forty one wins, so I guess it really could be anybody. Enough so that you really can't game it. 
So no. I think it's just where you fall is where, you mm-hmm. know, if you land on two, you land on two. If you land on three, you land on three. But I don't think you can necessarily look at the matchups and be able to figure out if it's worth it to uh, play it 100% lose a game or, or two or yeah, yeah, to try to do that. It, it just it's going to be I, I think for the most part, the teams towards the bottom, obviously, that are trying to get into that eight seed, you're going to see them playing really hard. Like we're seeing the Pelicans tonight, the Blazers, they're going to they're going to play really hard and, and the Grizzlies trying to keep their spot. And then I think the teams towards the top, the Lakers, the Bucks on the other uh, in the east, we probably won't see them completely crank it up even the raptors you know they've got a three-game lead on boston they probably don't crank it up too much so it'll probably it'll just be these games matter they definitely matter as far as winning and losing i think they're going to matter more towards teams you know three through eight in both conferences than they will for the teams towards the top who seem to at least have settled into a nice spot i mean how, how much of a bummer would it be for Giannis to get hurt or LeBron oh, in, no, one of, in no. one of these games before when you got such a big lead you know Anthony Davis got poked in the eye the other day and we got all real nervous they were saying he may not play tonight and it's he doesn't have to if either way you just gotta just be careful get to the playoffs and then it'll sort of feel like a real basketball playoff once we get there because we're gonna get the same series like we did it's just yeah. gonna be a little weird for the next few weeks agreed uh, I want to sneak in a little bit of uh, college uh, football oh, before yeah. we wrap here but uh, quick thought I don't know the rules in terms of coming and going as uh, as I'm not well versed on it as you might be when it comes to the NBA. Is there a possibility that you could have a guy once the Clippers or Lakers get to the finals who had opted out to be like, you know, what? I'm opting back in. I'm going to play in the finals. Well, I think they'd have to come. They'd have to be quarantined for a certain amount of time before. So they they're leaving in. the door open. That is a possibility. If, if, if they have a roster spot. I think they could do that. They could do that. Okay. So if they haven't filled the spot and you were talking about college football, they made a big announcement today, uh, Mike, that it's now going to be four of the big five conferences have all said they're only going to be playing against their own conference. Conference games. And what's interesting is that we've seen time and time again, where we're so excited for football. They start before the NFL and we'll get an SC Oklahoma game or something like that. In, I see Alabama uh, in, already been canceled. Yeah, in in uh, well, I mean, it, it just just generally speaking, like in August, mm-hmm. right? Now we're looking at the SEC opening up September twenty sixth, almost October for the start of college football. If you're a fan of the SEC brand, the other big news is that Notre Dame is going to be playing a, an ACC schedule. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting there as well. So you got the uh, ACC they're playing there because we're not going to see the, the the rivalries against uh, SC and Stanford that we usually usually see. From Notre Dame. Nope. So you'll get ten conference games for the ACC, including that Notre Dame game. You'll get the Pac-12 in the uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten playing conference games only. The SEC playing ten conference games only. They begin September 26th. They have an SEC title game schedule for December the 19th. We've only got about 30 seconds left. We're going to get ready to go. But this was the last thing we we're going to talk about. And so it it just comes down to the Big 12. They've got a meeting with their presidents on Monday. I'm sure they everybody was really waiting on the SEC. They were the big domino. And so now that they fall, I'm sure the Big 12 will follow suit. And then conferences like the Mountain West are going to have to figure out what the heck to do. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, man. I, this is just all planning. I think mm-hmm. it's all going to go by the wayside. NFL training camp start. They're going for round two of their COVID tests. If they pass, they get to enter the building and they're good to go. That's all the time we have. Thank you, as always, for listening. Join us next week. We'll have a very special show after NBA restarts. Same time, same place next week. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. 
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.